Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Josh Norris here with the final week two episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast so far with your subscriptions and rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, however you do it. Um, That's from the whole crew. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed the Tuesday waiver wired stuff with Ray Summerlin, then Ray hosted Nick Menzio and Rich Rebar on Thursday worksheet obviously and and nick's start and sit um that'll be good till sunday so you should go and listen to that if you haven't but today i have roto pat patrick doherty and his rankings and evan silva discussing his matchups column two must reads every single week but before we get to those interviews i want to discuss again a very very important topic we're back to underwear people good quality underwear macweldon.com M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N. Guys, I actually wear Mac Weldon underwear. I'm wearing it right now. Honestly, I am. It is comfortable. Um, they, they were kind enough to send me a handful of pairs. But not only just the underwear, Mac Weldon specializes in comfortable men's basics. Uh, your V-necks, your T-shirts, your sweatpants, your hoodies, everything that you need, even socks. But really, the go-to is the underwear. And if you are you know, uncertain about purchasing. One, take it from me. It's great. But two, use promo code ROTOFB on MacWeldon.com to save 20%. Go and do it. You'll never go back to buying in bulk from Amazon or Costco. You'll be buying Mac Weldon underwear. So let's get to the interviews. First up, let's go with Evan Silva. Uh, Matchups column, really good daily fantasy players to attack, um, but also, you know, season-long discussion as well. So First up, Evan Silva. Enjoy. Now I'm joined by Evan Silva, whose matchups column weekly can be read right now as you are hearing this. You probably can't listen and read at the same time, so maybe do one first and then the other. I'm not going to tell you which one. But Evan, let's talk about first Rashad Jennings, the Giants running back at home this week against the New Orleans Saints, a historically bad defense. Uh, Give me your thoughts on, on Jennings this week. Well, he checks a lot of boxes because he's a home favorite running back facing a weak defense. And I think that in daily fantasy, a lot of people won't be on him just because he isn't very sexy. And people will be focused in this game for good reason on the passing game 
on both sides. Uh, but Rashad Jennings has a, has a lot of factors working in his favor. Last week, uh, the Saints gave up to the Raiders running backs 24 carries for 151 yards and three touchdowns. Um, a lot of that came on a 75-yard touchdown run by Jalen Rashard, but you know that's the kind of run that the that the Saints give up. Yeah. Um, and Rashad Jennings in Week One got the usage that we were hoping for. He got 19 touches, led the Giants' backfield in snaps. No Andre Williams there anymore. So when Thank they goodness. get down on the goal, when he get when they get down there on the goal line, it's going to be Rashad Jennings. Yeah. And I think he will be low owned in daily fantasy. And I mean, I think that he's in a good enough spot even to be a cash game play. And certainly if you're in a season long league, Rashad Jennings is, is should be in your lineup this week. Yeah. And they use Shane Vereen quite a bit, but like you said, I mean, it's, it's clear that, and finally they used the two good running backs and got rid of the third bad one. Um, let's kind of shift over in that same game to Kobe Fleener, who obviously the saints signed to a deal this off season. It seems like every single week I talk to you, Evan, we talk about Kobe Fleener and then like leading up into week one, he was like not getting the playbook or the usage. He still played in what, like 86% of the snaps or something, but mm-hmm. still only registered one catch for six yards in a high, high scoring game where Drew Brees threw a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. And I mean, you know, some, you know, people will say, oh, well, that's proof that Kobe Fleener sucks, which, I mean, that may be the case. But I'd point to some other things talking about why he sucks, but go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, um, but there are a lot of factors working in Kobe Fleener's favor for this week. First of all, the Giants just have always gotten shredded by tight ends because of Jerry Reese's defensive building philosophy. Uh, They they love slow linebackers. I remember Alan Dumanjic used to always talk about this. Why is Jerry Reese always um, signing all these slow linebackers? And their their safeties aren't cover guys either. I mean, I remember Landon Collins – you know, people thought that he should be a linebacker coming out of Alabama. And, I mean, he, he racks up a lot of tackles. I've got him in an IDP league. But he's a guy that you, you want to attack in daily fantasy. The other safety, Darian Thompson, had a ton of interceptions at Boise State. But uh, he runs like a four six eight. So Kobe Fleener is going to be open in this game. The question is whether or not Drew Brees is going to throw him the ball. I think that he will end up he will end up throwing the ball to the open man because that's what Drew Brees has always done. Um, you mentioned that Kobe Fleener played a lot of snaps in Week One. He did. He played eighty percent of the Saints' offensive snaps. He ran a pass route on seventy three percent, which is hot like higher even than Jordan Reed had last year. Um, and Jordan Reed, of course, isn't a blocker. He's like a, a wide receiver essentially. Um, and then Josh Hill, the Saints' number two tight end, suffered a high ankle sprain. So this offense this week is going to be in three-by-one with three wide receivers and one tight end the entire game. And Kobe Fleener is not going to lose playing time, and he's going to go up against a Giants defense that yeah. has historically gotten smoked by tight ends and last week gave up 10 catches to the Cowboys' tight ends. Yeah. So if, if Kobe Fleener can't do it this week, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm out. Right. Um, but but I think that he is going to do it, and he's yeah. another guy who, in daily fantasy, nobody's going to be on because you know, either you think that he sucks, right. or you were open to the idea that maybe he could be productive in the Saints' offense, and you played him last week, and now you think he sucks. Right. So that means that everybody thinks he sucks. <laughs> and um, and I, but, I think the Giants yeah. did a good job of shutting down the run last week. Um, oh yeah. 
Very oh. good job. And, and I mean, they allowed the most receptions to tight ends in week one and all of last year. So, I mean, the process is right here, and, and obviously we want to stick to that. Um, let's shift over from one disappointing tight end, which was Kobe Fleener, to maybe a name that, that was more productive than many expected in week one, and that's Pitt tight end Jesse James. He kind of filled in right away, Evan, for that Heath Miller role. How do you see him playing against the Bengals? Well, Pitt fans are not going to be happy that you just said that he's a Pitt tight end because he played at Penn State. Or Penn State fans are not going to be happy. Correct. Sorry. Sorry to all those people who are already sad because they watch Penn State every weekend. So Jesse James finished with only 31 yards last week, but he pretty much checked all the boxes for what we're looking for. He played 100% of the Steelers' offensive snaps. He caught five balls. He was targeted seven times. You know, that, those are all good numbers for a tight end. He uh, was targeted twice inside the opposing 10-yard line. If you go back to last season, the Bengals gave up the most receptions in the, in the NFL to tight ends. Uh, and when the Steelers played the Bengals last year, Heath Miller had 10 catches in mm. both of those games. Uh, and overall, Big Ben tar- targeted his tight ends 25 times in those two games and the Bengals went out inside Carlos Dansby who is supposed to be a good cover guy but he's really old and in week one all five of the targets that were thrown at Carlos Dansby were complete for 73 yards Uh, so just checking a lot of boxes here and I know that on FanDuel Jesse James is the stone minimum and I think that he's got as good of a shot as pretty much any tight end on the board to score a touchdown this week. The Bengals historically have given Antonio Brown more problems than any other team. Um, so if, if his production is a little bit slowed, and if Marcus Wheaton, who's coming back, can't get open, which right. is something that Marcus Wheaton has struggled with in the past, <laughs> we're going to see a lot of interior targets yeah. in this game. And Jesse James, and I think to a little bit lesser extent, Eli Rogers are, are in play. Let's shift over to kind of the Bengals' entire offense and A.J. Green. I mean, it, there, there can't be enough said about his performance in week one. I love that whenever he was in one-on-one situations and even predetermined throws, um, he was able to convert and create separation against Darrell Rivas. However, Evan, there's always a side of this coin that our friend Joe Goodberry has always talked about that this is a common opponent for Andy Dalton, and he right. his his production drops off significantly. Common versus uncommon. Last week was uncommon versus the Jets, and again, it's common versus the Steelers. What do you think AJ Green's going to do this week? Yeah, and I would be careful applying that to the the members of the passing game. I would I would definitely look at applying that to Andy Dalton, but I would be careful applying that to AJ Green because in A.J. Green's last six meetings with the Steelers, he has five catches for 71 yards and a TD, six catches for 132 yards and a TD, 11 catches for 118 and a TD, eight catches for 82, 11 catches for 224. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Nine for 93. (laughs) Um, Beyond that, I mean, that's just a a BVP stat that, that, you know, is batter versus pitcher, which which would be debatable. But beyond that, um, in week one, the Steelers or the Redskins really got nothing going on offense except for Deshaun Jackson, who of course is the Redskins number one wide receiver. He went for over a hundred yards, six catches. Um, and then beyond all that, 
A.J. Green has just insane home road splits over the course of his career where he averages over 100 yards per game in road games and only 63 yards per game at home. Hmm. Now, we're to the point in A.J. Green's career where he's been in the league, you know, five, six years. We need to start taking this pretty seriously. You know, this is this is a big, big sample size. And in week one, we saw not only were the Bengals throwing A.J. Green deep balls, but they were throwing him wide receiver screens and they were feeding him the rock. And that was against who, you know, someone who's considered to be one of the best corners in the league just had no fear going right at Darrell Revis. And they'll certainly have no fear going at uh, William Gay and Ross Cockrell in Pittsburgh. Uh, where they're not going to be able to run the ball because the Steelers have a great run defense. Let's shift now to another great receiver in Allen Robinson, who was one of the league leaders in targets Um, during week one. He's going up against the San Diego Chargers on the road. Um, Evan, the Chargers have allowed just three top 12 wide receivers since the start of 2015. How confident are you that Allen Robinson can make it four? Oh, man, I can't believe you're already throwing salt on on A-Rob here. I, I mean, I, but to, I'm trying to even it out because I said in one of our, our preseason podcasts that he could lead the league in receiving this year. Yeah, no, you mentioned that he had he was among the league leaders in targets. He actually was the league leader in targets in week one with 15. And people will be a little disappointed by him, you know, by him and they'll look elsewhere. People will look at, you know, Julius Thomas had a big game. Now he's a threat and he is a threat. But this is a good spot now for 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 Allen Robinson. The Jaguars are on the road where they are underdogs by three points. That suggests that they could be in some negative game script situations, throwing the ball. These teams play played last year in Week 12, and Blake Bortles dropped back to pass uh, 44 times, um, and that was in Jacksonville. Now they're in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, people also look at the matchup against Jason Verrett, who is considered to be a shutdown corner. But Jason Verrett is five foot nine and a half, one eighty nine. Allen Robinson six foot three, two twenty. And Jason Verrett missed the last two days of practice with a calf injury. He's expected to play. Oh, interesting! I did not know that. He's expected to play, but you know, if he's anywhere less than a hundred percent, another huge edge to Allen Robinson. Hmm. This is another guy that I think that people are not going to look at this week. Didn't have a huge opener. Looks to have an, an unideal matchup. Uh, is underpriced on daily fantasy sites from what I've seen so far. And I think that he could he could win someone some money this week. Yeah, and there were a good amount of touchdowns. I mean, last year, both Julius Thomas and I believe Antonio Gates had really good numbers in this matchup. Uh, let's finish it out with the Eagles versus the Bears, and namely Jordan Matthews, who was Carson Wentz's go-to target um, against the Browns. I do want to say, though, Evan, that that Browns defense was right. like absolutely horrendous. Like, right. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, one, I'm lower on, on these rookie quarterbacks than anyone, but, like, they were rushing three and dropping eight and still can't cover anyone. It was abysmal. But what do you think about Jordan Matthews this week against a Bears defense that has, still has injured corners, it seems like? Well, in a positive game script situation where the Eagles were winning all game, Jordan Matthews had 14 targets. Yep. That's promising. What else is promising for Jordan Matthews is that Zach Ertz isn't going to play on Monday night. What also is is promising is his matchup. J-Matt caught 
five of his seven balls last week in the slot. He's still primarily a slot receiver. At slot corner, the Bears use second-year undrafted free agent out of Rice, Bryce Callahan, who stands five foot ten and one hundred eighty-four pounds? Jordan Matthews is six foot three, two twelve. Yes. Um, you like it? I mean, you you like the volume of targets, and you think right. it can be efficient? Exactly, and, and 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 you get to watch them on Monday night, and they're I mean, underdogs, it, and they're underdogs. It, it, it's going to be fun, man. I I think that that's a game where Alshon and Jordan Matthews could end up trading trading blows. Hmm. Kind of like kind of like Jesse James and AJ Green will uh, in the, in that Steelers Bengals game. Got it. Evan, you're the man for everyone out there if you want to have more content like this or read more of it. Um check out Evan's matchups columns. I'm sure many of you already do, but just in case you're the 1% and don't, check it out. Evan, have a good weekend, man. I'll talk to you next week. Awesome. And again, thanks so much to Evan for his matchups column. You can check it out on rotoworld.com. Obviously, it's super thorough. Um, and applies to every single fantasy-relevant player in every single game. But let's now talk with Pat. Uh, I'm going to pick on Pat a little bit here. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's fun times. Um, so we cover, I believe, five different players, quarterbacks to running backs to wide receivers, and some notable ones, especially for you guys who took running backs in the first and second rounds. Patrick Doherty, we are back at it again, now with a segment title. We're calling this Pick on Pat because, like we discussed, <laughs> Uh, the only time rankings stand out in terms of numbers are when someone disagrees with them, um, because obviously we don't read exactly what you write. We just look at the numbers and, and see where they where they fit. Um, this week, I wanted to start with Russell Wilson. You have him as the quarterback six. Obviously, everyone knows that he is dealing with a what foot or ankle injury after last week. Is that factored into this ranking? I kind of just want to hear your thought process with this. Yeah, it is, but I think I might move him up. I mean, because, wow. yeah, well, you know, first off, his ankles apparently made a miraculous recovery, you know, the nano bubbles and everything. But, uh, so I mean, it was kind of, it was a combination of the foot. And, you know, Jeff Fisher, like his Super Bowl every year is having one good game against Russell Wilson. Like the Rams have kind of been Russell Wilson's kryptonite. Right. And, you know, in theory, it's going to be like a real emotional, hyped up game for the Rams, but. You know, we're coming off a game where the Rams just got dual-threaded off the field by Blaine Gabbert. So I'm just I'm feeling good. Everyone's off Russell Wilson this week. You know, he had the bad game last week. He's so he got this ankle tweak. But you know, the Rams the Rams defense honestly basically quit on Monday night. Like they were so frustrated by dual-threat Blaine Gabbert. So I mean, (laughs) how are they going to respond to the test of dual-threat Russell Wilson? And I just I think I I would I think. You know, he's got the potential to blow up every right. week, obviously, but I think especially this week. Yeah, and, and obviously his connection with Doug Baldwin picked up immediately where it left off. Um, you know, I mean, I just thought he looked like obviously a different player when he couldn't even move because that's like such a big part of his game, you know, like oh, hey, man, destroying the structure. Yeah, destroying. Nano but if, bubbles. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if I, there was lots of the can't move hype last week, but I mean, they, I would be worried it was like a little more of a saga. But I mean, they've right. been pretty adamant since like Tuesdays. Yeah, they, they didn't bring in a veteran quarterback. So yeah, and like usually the way these things unfold is earlier in the week the team projects like a ton of optimism, and then by like Friday or Saturday they're like, oh, you know, then it becomes like unclear. But that hasn't happened at all this week, so I just don't really think it's an issue. Let's move on to the running back spot. Two running back ones really struggled last week. Let's start with the first one, um, Adrian Peterson. Pat, you have him at running back six. 
um, playing at home against the Green Bay Packers this week. Yeah, I mean, is Adrian Peterson hitting a wall? I mean, over his last seven games, he has 132 carries for 397 yards, which comes out to an even three yards per carry. And it's just, you know, is Adrian running out of gas? And which, you know, probably isn't a viable storyline yet, but a viable, something that is a viable storyline is teams clearly are not afraid of the Sean Hill, half the playbook, Sam Bradford. I'll I'll throw in a Rich Rebar stat for you. Um, in his, he's been held under seventy rushing yards in each of his last eight games. So there might be something yeah. to it. Yeah, that's insane. And like you said, right? And like right now, you know, regular like no season one, games, I should say. Yeah, no one's afraid. Oh, he was, he was horrible in the playoffs. Right. I think he had like twenty three carries for like forty five yards against the Seahawks. So my past seven game stats included that game. And yeah, I mean it's just yeah. So you got the combination of you know he's really really been struggling for like over and not like between two seasons, half a season and. Just you know, they're they're gonna make they're not gonna respect the pass Sunday night the Packers so they're gonna make Adrian Peterson beat them and that's not something he's been doing now. But then why do you have him at running back six? Because it's still when someone's got you know he's clearly locked into massive volume and it's Adrian Peterson. When I know Adrian Peterson is gonna get twenty carries, there's still enough upside where like I can't drop him out of like the top eight, let alone like the top ten or twelve. But and it's 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 a beginning of a trend, but it's still not enough of a trend where I'm like, you know, I'm not really piling dirt on his grave yet. Right. But so yeah, the long story. When Adrian Peterson, when I know he's going to get 20 carries, it's kind of hard to rank him any lower. But it's usually a spot where he'd be ranked in like the top three or four, and you just can't do that right now. And you actually have him ranked ahead of Todd Gurley, who obviously was a disappointment last week from a production standpoint. Um, the Rams, like we mentioned, are going up against Seattle. Obviously, the game flow and the game script will probably be in the same situation as it was last week when the team lost, what, like 28 nothing, something like that? 28 nothing to the dual threat Blaine Gabbert. Excuse me, I need to insert dual threat Blaine Gabbert every single time. That is something that is possible, getting shut out by dual threat Blaine Gabbert. So, so why do you still firmly think that Todd Gurley can end this week as a running back one? Well, it's the same thing as Adrian Peterson. I mean, he's locked in to you know, really big workloads. I mean, like bare minimum of 15 carries, right. probably more like 20. And, you know, he's he needs the kind of guy where he needs one or two carries to, like, you know, he has scores a 50-yard touchdown, and he's basically made your week. But just, yeah, the downsides, you know, offseason, you know, kind of one of the philosophical discussions in the fantasy football community was, uh, like, side one would say, Todd Gurley is good enough to overcome his limitations. Like, he's that good. That was me. And side two was, no, he's not, which was Evan Silva (laughs) and a lot of other people. And, you know, week one, I would say Evan is winning that argument. Because the 49ers are not one of the fiercest defenses he's going to face this year. And, yeah, just he basically – if he doesn't hit one of those two carries, you know, it's going to be a lost week. But I have enough faith in at least – yeah, again, same thing with Peterson. Upside's too high to drop him any lower. Right, right. He really should be higher. Right. Um, and I'll say this. I, I wouldn't be – well, I actually think that Gurley will have a better week than Peterson um, just because I, I think that Gurley's you know, receiving ability allows him to kind of break the – game script situations like we've seen other backs in the past, and I think Adrian Peterson's just yeah, a, we're not worried a bad pass-catching running back. Benjamin Cunningham, well, Josh? I mean, he does have a role. I know. And one other fact that needs to be thrown in there, you know, Seahawks, obviously, Arian Foster looked smooth last week, but got erased, kind of. And the Seahawks did allow 
the fewest uh, fantasy points to running backs in the league last year. Yeah. So basically, yeah. I'm saying all the reasons I should have Gurley ranked lower, uh, but I don't. <laughs> this is why I, <laughs> I pick on you every every Friday. I guess this goes out. Um, two more. Let's go to the wide receiver spot. I actually agree with you this on this one, Pat. Um, Des Bryant, you have him outside of the wide receiver one category. At, well, just barely at wide receiver 14. Obviously not a good week for Des Bryant owners in week one. Do you see it changing at all? Even though he obviously did see some end zone targets, none were converted. Yeah, I still don't know if it's like – it's still too early, I think, to call like Des Bryant like a fundamentally different Des than the one we got used to. I mean, clearly there are the injury concerns and you know there are the rookie quarterback concerns. But it's just like with this offense they're running right now, you know, with backup quarterbacks – like since Romo's first injury last year, this probably includes a few Romo attempts, but Des has been targeted 72 times and only caught 27 of them. And he's just been like ridiculously inefficient with all these backup quarterbacks. You know, we still don't know if he's like truly hundred percent healthy. We don't really know what his chemistry with Dak Prescott is going to be like. And it's another thing with the girly and like kind of the Peterson back there. We're like, with Des Bryant, there's always that weak winning potential there. Yeah. But right now, there are just so many questions that you just can't rank him. Where really, his he really, you know, Des Bryant should be like a top eight guy every week, but you just can't do it right now. Let's end with a rookie uh, with the Houston Texans. That is Will Fuller. Pat, you have him at wide receiver 38, and I want to read a couple stats for you. Okay. All right. Will Fuller, 11 targets last week, eight were beyond 15 yards downfield. And he also had two um, red zone targets. Those eight 15-yard targets or 15-plus-yard targets were the most in the NFL. Look, as we've talked about, Evan and I joke all the time that he was nitpicked throughout the entire process. I think in game one he showed he's a real game-breaker. But you have him outside um, wide receiver three categories. Well, you know, just barely, those, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty high to have him ranked after one game, to be honest. But you know, one of those nitpicks – uh, were his hands Correct. and you know what did he do last week josh well, uh, he drops passes it's just he drops, this wasn't an ordinary pass this was an 83 <laughs> yard touchdown that he dropped and now clearly you listed off all the reasons to like will fuller and that i and that the reasons i like will fuller but you know i think poor man's deshaun jackson's kind of a reasonable expectation right now where he's going to have these like truly blow up games but i think there's more than enough downside especially with brock osweiler quarterback who you know brock had a decent first start but didn't exactly you know set the world on fire so i would even call it good for brock osweiler standards so yeah, exactly. So right, now, I think it's very fair to classify Will Fuller as kind of a, a boomer bust guy, kind of right on that wide receiver three, wide receiver four borderline. Where yeah. you probably, I don't, it's, I don't think you want to be starting him every week right now as like your third wide receiver. But if you've got someone injured, if you've got a buy, he's someone you can like very gladly plug in your third wide receiver spot. I think that's where we are with Will Fuller. Yeah, right and, now. and I guess he's the one that if you keep seeing these performances, and I love that they got him involved in the screen passes because he can create after the catch, that you could see him maybe rise in, in further weeks and he's locked into that wide receiver three, wide receiver two area just depending on on obviously if the volume sustains in terms of the targets and, and just knowing his role in the offense since he is a rookie. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy – I mean, this time next month, you know, he could be like a every week top 24 guy. I mean, he's got that kind of game-breaking ability. And I think by most reasonable expectations, he's probably like ahead of where people expected him to be because, you know, he had, he's kind of you know, viewed as like the bad hands guy and in the offense with all the new starters and all that. So he's probably ahead – and, you know, just he is, he is what he is. Poor man is Deshaun Jackson. 
wide receiver three, wide receiver four, borderline. Yeah, or rich man's Ted Ginn, however you want to think about so, it. Yeah, or eventually it could be a rich man's Deshaun. You yeah. know, that's the hope. That's the hope for my dynasty league team. There you go. I remember the heat. I took Will Fuller at number six overall in our dynasty draft, and I remember the haters were saying I should have taken Sterling Shepard or Michael Thomas. And uh-huh. I just gotta say, I'm looking good right now. <laughs> well, Pat, you beat me in that dynasty league last week, I believe. That's <laughs> right. Uh, not to get too into the weeds here on our personal fantasy lives, but I would classify that as a bad beat for you. It was. Uh, it was. You went, set, you went into the final game of the week needing like five points from Todd Gurley and did not get it. Correct. And I played my, uh, Martellus Bennett over Muhammad Sanu as well. And so. <laughs> Yeah, I had made peace with my loss going into the Fisher Bowl, and then I forgot the miracles that Jeff Fisher makes possible. Correct. I, I looked at it that day, and I was like, uh, I'm going to win this because I have Todd Gurley left. And well, you had Todd Gurley game. and Antonio Brown, and right. I did have superstar Jesse James going. but uh, Wow, so that still, won you. That won you the yeah, game, Yeah, it, really. it actually did, yes. <laughs> Jeez. So I'm, I, and I don't even have a good roster on that. I inherited it this summer. I'm not going to make excuses, but... You're not making – aside from the excuses you're making, you're not going to make excuses. We, we we are considering giving Josh Norris an extra three-year contract, unlike the L.A. Rams who just hand them <laughs> over to, to average general managers and head coaches. So, so I'm going to repeat a tweet, you know, which is always something people want to hear in a podcast, where <laughs> I, the only reason I can think of why Stan Kroenke still has so much faith in Jeff Fisher is that, like, he was shown, like, a disturbing butterfly effect thing from like the ghosts of Christmas future yes. that showed that like if he fired, if he fired Jeff Fisher, like it would result in the end of the world or something. Does I think he, like the- end up with Chip Kelly. Is that it? And he just didn't want that either. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, he's doing this. Stan Kroenke is, it would set in motion a chain of events that brings about human and human extinction. Got it. So Stan Kroenke's taken this bullet for all of us. We couldn't possibly understand, but this, he's seen future. This is uh, the plot to back to the future four. So can't, can't <laughs> it's wait also for- probably a good time to end the podcast. <laughs> Pat, you're the man. Thanks for letting me pick on your, your rankings and everyone. You can find them obviously on rotorola.com and Pat will be updating them throughout the weekend. Thanks, Pat. My pleasure. Again, thank you so much for listening. One, check out MacWeldon.com. Use promo code ROTOFB to save 20%. Two, rate and review this podcast. We really, really appreciate it. It helps us reach new listeners and you've done such a great job with that throughout the weeks. Um, Obviously, we'll be back on Tuesday, myself and Raymond Summerlin. But until next time, talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.